Hello and welcome to Dear Self, a podcast around Asian culture, self-exploration and growing up. Hosted by me, Charlotte Yao, founder of Moyhood, a skincare brand rooted in traditional Chinese medicine, in which I have the pleasure to be speaking to and spotlighting talented Asian voices of the moment. I've got an absolute brilliant guest lined up for you today. A little warning that before the show, we've recorded this in the corridor of a photo shoot studio. Bear with us, a slight echo. On today's show, I'm having a conversation with the beautiful Alice T, a biomedical science graduate and makeup blogger whose makeup looks always stop me scrolling my Instagram feed. She's worked with brands like YSL, NARS and Rare Beauty. You name it, she's created fierce makeup looks for them. In this episode, we uncover what her childhood was like and what her love language is. So I'm really pleased to share this conversation with you. Alice was an absolute joy to chat to and the sweetest guest. To kick off, I would love to know what is your ethnicity? When I get asked this question, it's always a bit like complicated. I feel like I have to give a, a short debrief of my life. So my parents are from Malaysia, but Malaysia is like made up of a lot different ethnicities. So my mum by ethnicity is Chinese and my dad by ethnicity is Indian. So his parents were born in Kerala and then I don't know how many generations back my mum's family goes in Malaysia. <laughs> and were you were you born here in the UK? Or? So I don't know if it's the same with a lot of like ethnic like first generation and their children. But I don't know like that much about how my parents met. I think the rough timeline is they actually came to the UK and met in a hospital whilst working. Then, but then my brother was born in Malaysia, so I assume they went back for a bit. My brother was born there, they had a house there. And then at some point came out to the UK where I was born. So I was born in the UK. So are your your mum and dad like nurses and doctors? So my mum is a nurse and my dad was a psychiatrist for a very short amount of time. Um, He was in like a military school when he was younger. But this thing, I don't actually know. I I need to sit down and ask these questions and find out before it's too late. But yeah, that's the rough timeline, I think. And then I think, what are the chances of they're both meeting hospital and being from Malaysia? So I'm like, there must be, maybe they did know each other. And you've got an older brother. Yes, yeah, so he's nine years older than me and born in Malaysia. We don't look that alike at all. Like, I only, I'm not that close with him, but I did meet him for like dinner some with my parents, and we got like a picture together that I'll show you because I just don't think yeah. we look like alike at all. Do you think he's more similar to your mum's features, or like, does he have? It's interesting because I never, when I look at someone's parents, I can see like, oh yeah, you're a mix of that person, that person. But with mine, I really can't see it. But, okay, so this is a family picture, which we took recently. Oh my god. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? My brother looks really different to me. Totally. He definitely looks like your dad, though. Like more kind of South Asian. For sure. Or just like, I think his face shape. Yeah. He's also a bit like, deeper skin tone than me, like a tiny bit around the face. Ah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no resemblance. If I like saw you across the street, I'd be like, no. no. So yeah, it's quite interesting how we don't really look that similar. Yeah. But I feel like you look like your mum, you know. Do you think? Yeah, like a lot similar, like I can see it. And also, 
You actually have your dad's nose. Do you think? Yeah. I think it's like a mix. I think my nose is a mix between the two of them. Yeah. Okay, so you're born here. Yeah. What was your childhood like? So I was actually put into like well, four months old, so I was super young, like a little baby when I was put into like, we called it, it was called Cuddle Club, which is quite a cute name, but yeah, um, so my parents could work. And then after school, I was at like Childminders. Um, so yeah, they always just work a short time, and maybe that's, I think that is again like an ethnic parent thing to like have to work really, totally. really hard. That hustle. And that's why I think I really enjoyed school because otherwise at home, like my parents would get back late from work, they were tired, and you know that was my chance to socialise. I really enjoyed school when I was in as well. Were you quite academic? Oh yeah, super academic. I think that's obviously from typical Asian parents. Yeah, pressure. Get a good um, grades. Yeah, but there was also like not that much else to do. Like when you have quite strict parents. Um, what else do you do? Like, yeah. Apart from really enjoying school. And because they weren't strict in like a, like a militant way. It was, I could tell it was out of caring. Yeah. But even now, if I went home and I was like, oh, I'm just going to walk to the shops, they'd be like, oh, no, I'll, I'll take you. Like, I'll give you a lift. Mm-hmm. And, like, my curfew used to be like 11 when I was in like sick form and stuff. So then I'd obviously just stay around the front of the house. So yeah. I could stay out whenever I wanted to. Um, so yeah, it was like a strict. But out of care, so I do yeah. that. I resonate with that because, like, so when I was 13, 14, 15, I was actually really shy and didn't say anything because I was like <laughs> that stereotypical yeah. shy Asian kid um, up until year seven. Um, and I remember my dad being like, You can't wear makeup. Was there anything that your parents were like, no, you can't do that? It was like, oh, definitely no boys. Yes. Oh, like, don't, don't think I told them I had a boyfriend until, like, second year of uni. And by that time, I had, like, that's, like, my third boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> definitely no boyfriends, definitely no drinking, nothing like that. I was allowed to wear makeup, but that was only after, like, ransacking my mum's makeup bags, using all of her old stuff. And then as I got a bit older, I'd get, like, you know, the... What's that? Miss Sporty, I don't know if you remember. Oh my god, yes. Miss Sporty and like Maybelline and those kind of brands when it became more popular in school. But in school, we weren't actually allowed to wear makeup. But I think I, from a young age, I was really into YouTube and beauty. So I think without that, I wouldn't have been bothered about makeup mm. because it was such like, an interest of mine. Miss Sporty is such a throwback. Do right? you remember Bourgeois? Yes. And that's coming back as well, which I'm not too sure about because I'm, it was like a nice brand, but like I'm intrigued to see where they go. Yeah. Because that's a very nostalgic brand. And there were brands like, I don't know if you remember NYC. Yeah. They used a liner and a bronzer. Yeah, I just remember those, those bits. I love that. Okay, so my favourite YouTuber back in the day was Michelle Fan. She was obviously the OG. She was like the OG. She was like my go to. And because I guess. I sort of relate because she's sort of Asian and I was like, okay, that's how you do makeup. Yeah. Um, was there one product that you have like a fond memory of as like your first piece of makeup or skincare? So like for me, I remember it was my 13th birthday and my dad treated me in Selfridges to a Lancome mascara. When you're 13, oh this is mad. God. This is actually mad moves. And I remember it being £13 at the time and we were like... It's so expensive. It was my first 
dip into designer? Okay, I do remember this. I was in, so my first proper beauty product, I remember being in sixth form and my dad driving me to Milton Keynes shopping centre and I was like, I'm going to get a naked palette, Urban Decay naked palette. And yeah. I remember it being so expensive, it was like £36. And yeah. I was like, do I get naked one or naked two? And I got the original naked. Yes. I still have that palette. I just cannot bring myself to throw it away. And also, after my A-level exams, I got my very first perfume from, again, Milton Keynes. I was like, you're shopping. Yeah. Because I didn't buy anything <laughs> apart from this Britney Spears fantasy perfume. I was like, oh my god, this feels so grown up. And to be fair, I actually love Sweet Smile, so I wear it now. <laughs> but yeah, those are the two things that I was like, oh my god, like, this is so expensive. I remember going to America, like, I've got family in New Jersey with my mum, and I browsed, like, the MAC cosmetics, like, online shop, and being like, £29 for one eyeshadow brush is the most extortionate thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Like now, I guess as you get older, you have your own money to spend, it's, it doesn't seem like much. Yeah. And back then, I was like, it's totally like, how to get a full set of makeup brushes that both 20, that fit on £29? It was just crazy. Yeah. yeah. Other than like beauty and makeup, mm-hmm. um, when you were in your teens and like adolescence, mm-hmm. what was your experience like like what did you do out of school oh my god in my tears I like so my mom and dad really wanted me and my brother to get into instruments so my brother played piano and I played the flute um I played classical guitar (laughs) from like year three to year seven so in primary school I played it like throughout the years I was like I think being academic, I naturally picked things up really quickly. But as soon as I got into year seven and you'd have to miss a lesson for your guitar lesson, I was like, no, cut it out. Like, so I stopped doing that. And I also, they put me into swim competitively, which I also hated. It was fine until they started making us die off those like dive oh, tops. I, was, I would make up excuses. I'd be like, I've actually got to do like, another sports club after this so I can't do diving and the woman would clearly not believe me and when she told us oh today we're not doing diving I'd be like oh yeah it's cancelled anyway so I can stay but I was just I hated doing stuff like that uh, but yeah my parents tried to put me into those two things but as you grow older you just don't want to do them yeah totally yeah. I, I know. wish I stuck with them though and have something as an adult those talents and skills are just so cool so cool and also great for your brain so good yeah like to be able to read music like i think mine was um i did ballet and hip-hop dance. oh my god i did street dance as well did you yeah, do you know how to baby freeze oh yeah, we like yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh my god i, I did really like dance actually I love dancing. Dancing was like my outlet of creativity because I actually didn't like sports that much. I didn't like sports day or like, you know, like proper PE, like yeah, Belden. Yeah. Wasn't a massive fan, but hip hop dancing, ballet was my thing. I like, used to do that after school club doing shoot dancing and stuff like that. And I, I actually did like sports day, but I was really good at sprinting and long jumping where you have to like run really fast. Yeah. I'm not like good speed, but. There's something in, I don't know if it's like a women thing or like also like an Asian woman thing or just like a non-white woman thing, but I just didn't have any confidence. And the thing that stopped me from competing in like, I was always wanted, like the, my class always tried to pick me for 80, 100 meter sprint. 
I just didn't feel confident enough. I didn't like the pressure. I didn't, I didn't think I would be able to do it. I totally understand where you're coming from. And I guess maybe it's that thing of like ingrained, like you have to be the best of the best. Yeah, or there's no point doing it. To, yeah, to succeed. You can't just be like average or mediocre, yeah. you know. Sure. And I think that's, I definitely carried that into my adult where if I'm not good at something straight away, I'm not yeah there is definitely i don't know if it's like asian community or like that pressure to if you're not going to conform to the hierarchy of, i don't know becoming a doctor or like lawyer or like academic then it's like you have to be the best and best in that field if it's like something alternative and i also think if there's no end goal of it being like i guess like a monetary gain from whatever you're pursuing or what's the point of doing it like you don't start a hobby like, for example, even guitar and sports, I feel like a lot of parents aren't putting you in that because they want to see you succeed as an athlete or a musician. They're doing it because of like your CV, what do they have to get into? Totally. Medicine or whatever field you want to go to. And then anything after that, unless it leads you to be able to be financially stable. And that's so interesting because Nicole and I were talking about our relationship with how... like. I'm trying to learn how to not define success as finances or like that healthy relationship of it. Because I guess for me, like I've always been ingrained or like my mum and dad have been like, okay, if you earn this amount, that's how successful you are. Like we measure success as like money. And it's like, I'm trying to like break that because it's like, that's totally not how I define a success is not how much I earn or like my paycheck or, you know. Yeah, I think... I think it's a difficult one because until I feel like I have financial security, mm. I think that will always be in the back of my head of like, oh, once my parents aren't here anymore, like it really is me on my own. And not they don't give me any financial support at all, but it's almost the sense of like, almost like I'm like holding everything and keeping everything because mm. I'm scared that once they're gone like I can literally have fun for myself it's a really like strange phenomenon I think it comes from them being super stingy with money yeah. I remember them like, going shopping with like all my school friends and they gave me a £20 note and I did not buy anything for the whole day I didn't break that £20 note because like you are just taught that you have to save like yeah and I think if you don't have a history of family here or like generational wealth in a country is a lot different. Mm. But if you do, you can kind of you have a bit of more, more freedom to fail and mm. stuff, and it'd be okay, and you don't go bankrupt if you still have a roof over your head. But I feel like because I don't have that quite yet, that I'm still like cautious. Yeah. 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 And that is that mentality of like, I need a rainy day bucket. Oh, for sure. Right. Yeah. Going back to beauty and self care. I think for me, how I interpret self-care and beauty isn't necessarily always buying products. It could be daily tasks that make you feel good, right? So like for me, some active self-care is like actually getting out of London and being surrounded by greenery and going back to my parents' house because I guess like home for me is a weird one because I would associate my... I live in Peckham now, so it's like that's home because I live with a partner and like we're really happy there but like my family house has this sentimental feeling of like safety and for me that is self-care when I go there like what would be yours or it could be like 
if you're feeling stressed, I also turn to food. I was Come, just going to say, that. Right? food is probably my self-care mm. moment. I gravitate towards Asian food, obviously, so much that I cook myself a nice meal, like I love noodles, I'm my favourite carbs, stuff like that. It's definitely like self-care to me. I also love reading. I didn't read enough as a child, I feel like, which is maybe not what you expect from someone super academic. But like reading now as an adult, I really enjoy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd say food is number one. I don't go out. I think like home for me, like I didn't love spending time with my family home. Like we literally have, we don't have a shower, we have like the typical like bucket and pails. So it's like yeah. not that therapeutic, <laughs> especially when you have the privilege of like moving away from home and having independence. For me, going back home, I'm like, oh my god, like I need it. I feel like 12 years old again and not yeah. really freedom. Yeah. Um, and also like renting in London, it, that doesn't also feel like home to me. So I'm still like waiting on that like home moment till like I can really make myself feel at home and make a place in mine. Um, so yeah, I definitely think my out- outlet is food, not the gym. I was just thinking like, what about gym? No, not the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know some people are like, oh yeah, exercising is makes me feel better about myself. But I'm like, if I'm not feeling good, I just want to do things that make me feel good, like eat. Yeah. Eat my favourite foods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, totally. I think I've been questioning the idea of home. Like, it doesn't have to be a physical place. Mm-hmm. It could be like home for me. Sometimes is like being surrounded by my friends. Yeah, and it's like that's your chosen family, isn't it? And it's like people who people who understand you. And there are some things that I can't like. My mom and dad don't get me as an adult because I feel like. To me, in their eyes, I'm the little baby, and it's just like you know, and it's like they they've only seen me where it's like my teens, and it's like whereas I think I'm a totally different person now. I don't think people like my parents definitely don't know who I am as in like what I like, what my hobbies are. They just I think they just see me as just like a daughter. Like they're probably thinking about my health and my safety, and yeah. like if I've got enough money. But like they're not thinking. Oh, I wonder like what TV show she likes or like, what music she listens to, what food she's eating today. Like they ask me if I cook and I'm like, yeah, of course I cook. Yeah. Like, oh, what do you cook? I'm like, okay, I cook pasta. And they're like, oh, like, I cook pasta. Like, of course I cook. I've lived in London for like, like nearly a decade. Of course I'm cooking myself a meal. Like they just still see me as like a child at their home. But yeah, it's interesting. That is, and I don't think that will ever grow out because they're like, oh, it's their role. Yeah. It's interesting, like, I don't know how many parents actually know their children and, like, what they like and what they don't like. They probably know what food they like and mm. don't like. Yeah. What is your parents' love language? Oh, food, definitely. I think my mum loves food. My dad, maybe just, like, advice. Like, mm. if I... But his advice is still so old school. Like, yeah. if I was to ask him, like, oh, like, I'm going to go to Greece. He'd be like, oh, Greece is really well known for their, like, this, this, and this. It's like some sort of, like, encyclopedia. I think that's that's his, like, love language. That is so cute, though. (laughs) So cute. Or, like, say if I, um, like, I remember when I was applying to stuff at uni, he would go, or, like, apply to different unis and courses, he would go into, like, a physical library and, like, read up about the subjects or, like, the places and be like, oh, yeah, this is good for this. (laughs) So I think that's his, like, that is so sweet. 
<laughs> and what would you say your love language is? Ooh, that's really difficult. I actually think now I make my own money and I'm like, I have disposable income. I love buying people gifts. And that's really strange because I don't really care about receiving gifts, but giving people, I think because I grew up where money was like so strict, that now I feel like free enough to like buy people expensive gifts and show them how much I care. I get that though, because I love buying people gifts and it's that notion of like, yeah. if you can provide and support or like bring joy somehow. Like I love, getting people dinner because it's just like you know yeah. that and I think it's just a lot of like times unlearned like overthinking spending any money like when I was younger even I remember my mum making a massive deal about how much an orange juice cost at Costa if she met with an old friend yeah and that definitely was passed down to me I was like I would never get a three pound coffee out here and I had to really unlearn that with kind yeah. of moving to London and being able to like spend money on me and the people around me and being like generous in that way. Yeah. yeah. I feel like there is so much that I've had to unlearn that I've inherited from my mum and dad. 100%. Like there is a lot to unpack there. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's good though because I feel like that's a sign that like as a generation we are moving forward. And like if we have kids of our own, hopefully, even though one of two ways, you could do like exactly how you were raised, or you go the opposite and you're like, well, my mom never allowed me to do this, so you can do whatever you want. Mm. But do you say like strict parents raise like the the most rebellious kids? So. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. What parent do you think you would be? I think I'm going to be such a relaxed parent. I just do not see myself being strict in the same way my parents were because you have this understanding that's so unique to our generation having parents that grew up in a different country mm. and how difficult it is to like grow up in a British school also have parents that are still in their minds living in whatever country they're from mm. and that's such a unique experience but I don't think I could ever because I wasn't brought up on those traditional values like my parents were I can't imagine myself passing them down to my kids. I mean, I don't even think I'd have a question for it to you now, because it's, it's so different. So different. There's just different avenues now. So There's different a, avenues. You don't have to go down the traditional, you know. I hope I'm a cool one. I feel like I will be. I feel like you would be. I hope so, because I, I felt so bad. I remember being so embarrassed about, like, my family. And I, I literally, I want to talk about an argument with my mum, and it literally breaks my heart, because normally, like, my parents kind of just brush whatever off, like, they don't take things too personally, but, like, one time, I think we were in, like, an outlet store in America, kind of like this, the village, and I was like, oh my god, like, I don't want to walk near everyone because everyone's speaking a different language, mm. like, it's just, like, embarrassing, and I remember, like, my mum turned, and she never is argumentative, never, like, speaks that, but she was like, oh, like, but this is your family, like, how can you be, like, embarrassed? Yeah. So now that's, like, ingrained in my memory, and I feel so bad. I honestly feel the exact same because I remember being in either like year six or year five and my dad picked me up from school and he was chatting to other parents but he's he speaks like broken English and yeah. I was like you know when you like at the time I was like dad just shut up like you're embarrassing me and I genuinely thinking back it all like oh my god the fact that I felt ashamed but I'm like it's so impressive that he even knows another language. It's so sad. And only like, I do have best friends that I literally met in year seven and I'm still friends now, like, family, like 10 years later. 
more than ten years. But they still don't even know, like, really know, like, my dad's and mum's names because I was just so embarrassed to, like, talk about them with their names. You know, like, people's names are, like, Gareth or, yeah. you know, whatever, like, really British names. Gary. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, like, I don't want to talk about my parents' names. Mm. Um, but now, I think as an adult, I just say it so confidently. And, but because we've grown up on that, we appreciate it, I now... Think if anyone was to make me feel any type of way about it, it's more embarrassing for them than mm. Emily for me. Mm-hmm. So that's a good thing. Yeah. Did you grow up in diverse school? No. <laughs> so it was like an hour outside of London, and I think so. From year seven to like year thirteen or year ten, there were like there was one East Asian girl in my class. I don't even think there were any black people in the maybe maybe one or two yeah and then maybe like, you can count on like one hand the number of like South Asian people there and then as you go into like year 12 or 13 you know people join can join your school from sixth form yeah 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 so we did have more people like slightly more diverse but it was like 95% that's insane do you think that lack of representation had an effect on you growing oh yeah 100% I just didn't want to be identified as Asian. Yeah. I just wanted to be like, oh, what? How ambiguous can I be? Yes. Which is so sad. Um, but I always think that being Asian was never cool. There's literally no South Asian representation in music, sport, in the mainstream media. It was never cool to represent that. It was like fat. It was never like something to be like, oh yeah, well, this is who I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I was never like shouting after my rooftop. But now I'm like, it's what makes me me and it is what makes me cool and it is what makes me different. Totally. And I'm so glad I'm not anything other than what I am. Yeah, because it's like, I'm proud. When did you start to feel like that? Like settled in your skin? Probably when I moved to London. Obviously, I've been so, like, it's one of, it's probably the most diverse city that I've ever visited. And I don't think I would ever live that house. And it makes you think, like, how if eventually you decide to have children, where you're going to raise them and how it will affect them. Since moving to London, I was saying how now that we've lived in London and we understand, like, how diverse and you don't even think twice when you're on the tube, you'd never feel that feeling of otherness. That difference of if we were to ever raise kids, I don't think I would want to raise them in a small countryside where it's, like, a bit isolated and, like, because it's like you'd have all these questions, and I feel like you have to prepare them for racist, yeah. you know, and how to deal with it. For sure, yeah, yeah. But then it makes then it makes more sense. London's so expensive to raise a child. Like you don't want to give up either of those things. Do you? London is so expensive. So expensive. Um, we've nailed all of the things to wrap it up thank you so much for joining me today and talking to me because it's been an absolute joy no worries and where can we find you Alice on Instagram TikTok YouTube Alice T amazing 